0: Hey everybody and welcome to the Brand and Beyond podcast. I'm your host Chris, joined as always by my co-host Peace and today, have a fantastic episode for everyone out here. We are joined by the head of people of the long term stock exchange, Sarah Walker. Sarah, how are you doing today? Thank you so much for joining us.
1: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yes, of course. The pleasure is really ours. Thank you for coming on. Um, So please, please give the audience a little background of yourself and a little bit more about what you guys do at uh, LTSC.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I joined LTSC just about a year ago mm-hmm. as their first head of people, and I'll take you back in time, then we'll come back to LTSC. So prior to this, I had experience in large, complex global organizations that include Stitch Fix, General Mills, AT&T, and then all the way to the other side of privately held Entrepreneurial environments, including even a, a startup that I had helped co found a few years ago. And so, really seeing the span of all different sizes and stages of companies throughout this experience and holding roles in both uh, the people HR functions as well as operational. And part of what drew me to LTSE is that uh, the long term stock exchange, we have this mission that's really aiming to support companies at all different stages of their journey. So founders were just starting and building their first cap table through various stages of fundraising to getting to a pre-IPO stage and then also publicly listing hopefully one day on the, our stock exchange. And so we have values and standards and commitments we've instilled in our products and services all throughout this journey. And so When I joined, part of my role is not only to help build and practice these internally, but also be a role model for what it should look like externally. And so I've been able to take this wide variety of my toolkit and experiences, what I've seen, and say, what can we build and create that other companies can follow at every stage that they experience?
2: So your role itself is pretty unique. I mean, Chris, we've been you know, interviewing a multitude of individuals in the people space. We're starting to really understand and feel like, Hey, like this is a real up and coming industry. How do you feel your role is almost contributing to the space? Right. Are you seeing any cool trends that you're really tagging on to or building for in the future relative to LTSE? Uh, please just share with us, you know, your perspective on just the people space wholesomely and what your perspective on it when you first got involved as to what you feel, feel as if it's going to be in the future.
1: Yeah. So if we take a, a, like a history lesson, you know, trip back in time, if you think about it's like early 1900s, HR, it's tactical, it's policy, it's wages, child labor right, and then you shift into the sort of mid 1900s, you see unions, more employee rights, the early 2000s, which is around the time when I'm starting in the the field, the industry, it's like, we started to see this engagement, employer branding, there's a little bit more competition, right? People have access to information that you never had before. A glass door, blind, right? So your companies are trying to say, hmm, like, maybe what we used to do doesn't work anymore. Um, The proactive side of HR. So versus being reactive, more proactive in the business, and business partnership, you've heard these terms. So it's like shifting into this strategic part. And so what I've been seeing or experiencing myself is that having worked and been in multiple functions myself, and, you know, there's this concept now emerging of like, life centricity and this like, de-siloing of how companies are approaching their products, how they're approaching their business. And I'm seeing it also happen within companies and specifically within the HR function is, you know, it used to be, uh, obviously you still have to have payroll and benefits. There are some tactical administration side of HR that won't go away. You still need to have those. Granted, we're automating, we're making them a little bit easier, but When you think about the strategic aspect, does the HR function go away as we know it? And the example I can share is we, you know, when you're in a small company, you tend to be wearing multiple hats. But I've always believed in the HR function that specifically in more of a business partner strategy is that my role is to really be a mirror for the leader. And I really believe that if we tool the leaders of a company to make sure that they are acting with integrity, they have the tool sets to be able to drive company culture, to engage their team, to communicate that the HR function may not be needed any longer. Now, that's a tall ask, but how does HR look differently where maybe we're less of a siloed and those um, principles are spread out within an organization? And I'd even piggyback on that. I think we'll see that happen in a lot of functions across a company where it's, you know, we, in a a company's life cycle in the beginning, early founders, they're wearing 10 different hats. Then you start to hire a team and you're specializing functions. And then it never changes again. And you have these specialized functions, but how we approach career growth in the future, how we approach functionality may shift more to skill sets versus I work in finance and that's what I do versus I can do these five things. Where can I add value within a company?
2: See, that's really interesting. How would you, I don't want to ask what your day-to-day is like, but almost like chiming into how you broke down the timeline and how, regardless of the size of the company, there's different demands. Hopefully, I guess we're going to create a term now, Chris, but what is like your foresight activity like? currently, right? As you prepare for phase two, three of what LTSC is doing, as the head of people, what is that like? Maybe not necessarily managing your day-to-day, you know, employee experiences, things like that, but like, how do you coincide with what you said and say, hey, these are the campaigns and initiatives we got going on right now, preparing for where we believe the market will be in regards to specialization and understanding what our current and future employees will be wanting from us or expecting from us?
1: Yeah. So I think there's, Two pieces in that question, I think from a from a day-to-day, and I try to help other HR professionals and leaders and within the people function, how do you shift from that reactive mindset to proactive and earn the trust of the business? And it's not easy, but being able to first, you know, in inserting yourself into the business, and it takes time to to earn that trust and but being able to really know your information and sometimes that means Nights and weekends, I am studying and getting into the business. I have my, quote, day job, but I'm understanding what are the metrics, what is each team working on, and what are they doing? So, Spending as much time in the business as you possibly can. And the difference is, if a business, if you're in the room, it could be the virtual room, it could be physically or just in the conversation. You start to hear what's happening in the business and you can predict or build your programs or, or suggestions ahead of time. And you start to add value to the business where you can um, be one step ahead of what those employees are going to need. And so I think first and foremost within at least my role here is being able to sit within the businesses versus siloed by myself over in the HR function and I try to do that every day. I could, you know, if you look at my calendar, I color code everything. So anything where I'm sitting in the business, it's a blue calendar invite. And when I look, you know, if I I have another screen here, but when I just glance at my calendar, the majority of my calendar is blue, which means I'm in the business versus doing my own sort of individual work, which does mean there's extra Demands that can come up, but I think first and foremost, I would always encourage leaders to see how can you shift what your day to day is like? Because likely your time spent on something else without that business knowledge will end up being reworked anyway because you'll miss the mark or you won't be able to build what the client needs. And then I think the second part of your question about more of the external when Specifically with LTSE is that part of the principles for us to to list on our stock exchange really do consider how companies are interacting with the environment, their commitments around compensation, around de and the, those um, levels of importance and the standards are changing. And part of why the name long term is because we currently, it's more about, you know, day to day, each quarter, what your progress is and how do you think about your impact as a company, as a founder, your footprint for the longer term versus in the short term. So a lot of what we build and create while we're still a startup and we're still pivoting and validating what's going on within the people function, trying to say, how can we keep iterating what we're building so that we're practicing what we have put out to the world?
0: So
2: really just migrating our conversation from I guess the technicalities of the people in HR space more to really what you guys have going on in LTSC just introduce us to the culture what is it like to work with you your executive team your leadership or anywhere within the org chart uh, just you know almost like break down what a day-to-day is like from a character standpoint and intrinsic from an yeah. intrinsic standpoint. so I'm you're
1: your timing is perfect. I'm really excited to share this. So we just finished our first quarter of the year engagement survey and we asked our employees a question that said, what are the three words you would use to describe our company culture? And so we were able to extract the data. We made this really beautiful word map where you can see the the colors and the words pop out. But our top words that came From our employees' mouths were collaborative, mission driven, transparent, inclusive, and passionate. And so seeing that come to life, you know, what better way to hear it from your employees versus a company that puts it on their website and says, you know, we're a collaborative team and we're mission driven? Being able to see the data from our employees, I think, is really interesting to validate. That's what we've tried to create, but that's also what employees are experiencing. We also have a set of what we call operating principles that these were created long ago before my time, but they are used and and practiced on a day to day. And uh, I won't go through all five of them, but as an example, one of them being solving problems through entrepreneurship. So we see startups tend to be more nimble. You can try new things. You're in this ideation stage. And I've also been at large companies with 300,000 employees where there was no entrepreneurship. It's set the policy, everything's in the box. And so part of this operating principle was to commit to let's always keep that spirit of entrepreneurship. How do you bring that in even when you're growing as a business? Additionally, we talk about automation. There are scary um, emotional reactions that can happen when we talk about automation. It can be a bad word in certain environments because does it mean my job is going away or I really liked the process I was doing and I'm reluctant to give it up. But how do you think about building everything scalable? How do you make things easier? How do you leverage tools that exist? And then reframing what could you do with that extra time? Where is the impact you can add? And so these principles come to life every single day. And from a standpoint, we we talk about respecting people and the environments that they inhabit. One of the things I saw was really unique at LTSC, which I struggled with myself when I joined is that um, during my onboarding, we talked about, you know, working transparently, and we use Slack a lot. But I'm used to, you build your product, you build your tools behind the curtains, and then you've got the perfect PowerPoint presentation or the program and you reveal it to everyone and you know, you're know you waiting for the claps. And here, it's you're building it with the curtains down. And so getting feedback and sharing things really early on with team members, you can be quite vulnerable. But what it does for you is you can get ahead of, again, this is about iterating and getting those inputs So that your final product has multiple perspectives, right? You've taken different lenses into consideration. I found found that to be very unique to LTSE's culture that I had not experienced before in my career. And so, we are in a phase where we were an early start startup building, and now we're in this growth phase, which also brings new new challenges and new ways of working. And so, there's always a culture evolution that's happening, but being able to take the things that were instilled early on and how do we bring those into the future?
2: Chris, I know you, you have a question, but I, I feel like I'm ball hogging right now, but <laughs> Not I, think, thing as always. I love, I love, first of all, I love the fact that your employees are engaged, right. And you're getting positive feedback as to what you have to have going on internally. But something we find interesting based on other individuals we speak with in the people spaces, they look at creating, you know, you no know, culture, you know, embodying transparency and just that welcoming environment. They do it in a variety of ways, right? It's either it's a top down implementation, right? Where say, Hey, this is what we're choosing, or sometimes we see a bottoms up implementation, right? Where it's like, Hey, let's, let's utilize what we already have here with our core, you know, early stage team, and then we'll just grow with them. How I know you, you came in not necessarily at the inception of LTSC, but how has your, your welcoming and your participation in the culture uh, participated in that. Do you see that LTSC is something where it's more so the executive team brings it down in almost like molds, or do you feel as if it's the employees and they help mold with the executive team? Like, how would you explain that dynamic?
1: Yeah, I think it's a really interesting question because I'm layering it with stages of a company. And so I think early founding teams including at LTSE it was a bottoms up model right when you're the team of 10 creating what this company is going to look like you're the team and you're instilling those initial operating principles and then as you grow you're adding new new ideas new ways of working right we all come into a company with this baggage like this is how my prior company, whether it's good or bad, we've got so, something that we're bringing into the company culture. And so then you start to see these dynamics of, you know, there's existing and new and how do those two get along? And I think it's up to the leadership team to say, we aren't a divided organization. We're one and help commit to what is important now. And so I think at that point you reach Where it needs to be top down, the employees are looking to leadership to say, what does matter now? And outside of LTSC, like in other companies, I've seen um, organizations that went from quality being really important to speed of execution. Those are two very different company cultures. And if you as a leader top down, don't name it. Your employees won't know what to do. And so you'll create this internal turmoil that, um, has unintended consequences to your productivity. Or another example would be, you know, do we care about, um, you know, most companies will say safety is our, is our number one goal, but at the expense of what? Like, are we okay putting safety first? Which means we're not going to hit our goals for the day. And again, that's usually a top-down. So I think your question is really thoughtful because depending on the stage of the business, I think you need both. And top-down as itself alone will never work, right? You do need the the employees to create the culture. And I think the most often under-invested part of the company that we should be putting the most investment in is the people leaders. You know, they're the, the people, managers that are interacting with their team members day to day. They need to be equipped with understanding what their team needs are and leadership and being able to translate that. And so I always say, if you are building your annual budget within your people function or you don't even have HR yet, and it's just your founding team put dollars aside to invest in your people managers to make sure they have the skill sets and tools and training to be able to carry that company culture forward.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I really love what you're talking about, how establishing that culture right from the employees, the people that are living it every day, putting in the work every day at the ground floor, that continue to push the company forward. I couldn't agree more with that. So kind of zooming out from LTSC, right? Because Clearly, the culture you guys have over there, seems to be absolutely sparkling, and everyone seems to be loving their life over there. You were the leader at uh, TTI Success Insights, right? You were VP of people. You were director of people and culture at Stitch Fix, head of people now at LTSE. So just in general, what are just some methods and strategies that you've really found effective managing people and culture and things that you've learned in your career that may have not been so effective when actually managing people?
1: Yeah, so I think... From the effectiveness, and this will sound a little bit repetitive, but I think it's okay. it's important to um, invest in your people managers, and I think that you you can't lead an effective people and culture function or be a manager of people yourself if you have not identified what are the basic expectations that we have for our people managers. What does that even mean? be a manager or a team lead? And then what can they then infiltrate into team members, right? When we think about employee engagement, yes, there is the razzle-dazzle. Did we do a big, fun annual trip to Costa Rica? And did you get extravagant gifts and swag for your team members? That's not engagement, right? What we're talking about is, do I feel like I have purpose at work? Do my, you know, do I feel like I can ask for help? Can I take risks? Do I have an avenue to share my feedback? Do I feel valued as an individual? That's what engagement is about, and the people who are doing that are your leaders within your organization. And so, again, I would just like strongly reiterate that if you have not, it, oftentimes in these, when the um, market and economics, and we say let's pull back funding. Oftentimes the first place you cut costs are your development costs. And I would say keep as much budget as you can there to build your programs around how do you make sure those people managers are engaged and they know what's needed or how they can add an impact. I I think the least – oh, God.
2: No, go ahead. Go
1: right ahead. No, I think on the other end of the the spectrum – like a not effective or least effective I think is when you see this disconnect between the external world and internal and what I mean by that is the on the surface you've talked about your company culture and your brand and then when somebody gets in the door they are looking around they're like that's not what you said and so being able to be really clear communicate up front the expectations and I have had leaders say, well, if I tell them the truth, no one will ever come work here. And if you don't tell them the truth, they will leave. So either way, it's like the best thing you can do is say, maybe you're not doing it in your first interview conversation, but all right, here's what it's really like here. And I want you to have this. full.' this is a two-way interview. And I don't think a lot of companies approach that because they're panicked over it. So, you know, I have these concerns. I don't want to scare the candidate away. And I would say the same thing for internally, for your existing team members, you know, don't shy away from sharing more and and being clear about what your expectations are. You'll likely get more trust in people saying, I will choose to stay versus leaving because I don't have the information.
2: So going back to what I was going to ask uh, regarding your first tech world. I guess many can consider this, I guess, a bear market in a way. So, as you mentioned, cutting of budgets, have you ever seen pushback from any people leaders or just the industry in general in regards to that statement alone? You know, hey, like, yeah, we know times are hard, but hey, I'm telling you, please continue to invest in your people leaders. It does pay dividends. What have you? What kind of feedback have you been getting from the the market the industry?
1: Yeah, and it's. It's, it's cyclical. Like this is very common that even having been in like a more of a consultant capacity for companies, I've seen it on that side where like the, the budget gets tightened up and it's easiest to say we just need to quote, keep the lights on. And so if you're an HR leader and influencing, for example, you might have a budget for, some of the engagement issues I, or um, initiatives I talked about, like maybe there are in-person gatherings or maybe there's other ways to incentivize. And you might actually opt to shift that budget into more of the investment in the people leaders and making sure they're spending the time that's needed with their employees. They're giving the right feedback. They're clarifying expectations. The return on investment will be greater than the single moment in time where you can invest in that person. And many people, when faced with, you know, lots of tough conversations around layoffs and, you know, do we still need these number of employees? And it's a very difficult time for both sides, right? Making these decisions and then the impact on lives, but really trying to understand what are the long-term impacts of those? What did we tell and taking ownership as a leadership team to say, you know, What do we need to do now going forward? But again, these employees might opt. You would be interested to hear some of the employees that would say, you know, I would make a change in order to stay here. or I believe in the success of this company and I'm opting out because I want this mission to carry on. And I think if you trust your employees with a new level of maturity, you will see that return on investment in the long run.
2: So something I thought that was really interesting that you mentioned was how typically companies get in quite a bit of of a situation when candidates inquire about their their company and they say, hey, you showcase this, but in reality it's like this. And there's like a weird line between transparency and really just authenticity between the relation between candidates and companies. And understanding the people space is really unique because you have to deal with, you know, the TA umbrella the traditional HR umbrella and at times the marketing umbrella relative to the employee branding segment. How would you describe the contribution the head of people role or the people, the people, the people space has within the employer branding realm?
1: So years ago I was with direct TV. And for those of the listeners who don't know what direct TV was, we used to attach satellite dishes to our houses and roofs to get TV. Imagine in that world. Wow. It's, Still, still available now. And it's a great product. I'm still still a huge fan of DirecTV, but also an organization that was people first, truly like, if you invest and you reward the right behaviors and you are have gratitude for your employees, they will give back. It was in a phenomenal environment that I got to be a part of within the HR function. But one of the things I learned there so with these uh, employees that were tech- technicians that would install these satellite dishes, they drove um, a vehicle. We had a large vehicle fleet, and there was a, a nugget of information that somebody said that like clicked with me about employer branding. She said, "All of our employees are billboards, because when you're you see this vehicle driving down the road, there's a big brand that's on it." And so we instilled this concept where it's like you are the walking brand of our company. And so how you drive specifically in this environment tells a story about who we are as a company. And so I've taken that with me to say, okay, maybe we don't have vehicles, but your employees are your billboards. And so what they say, what they post on whatever the platform is, at dinner with their friends, they are talking about their experience at work. And we know how a net promoter score works more often than not. People rarely share great things. They tell about the horrible experience that they had. So just count on your employees are complaining about their experiences. It's just the, the natural human behavior. But I, I go back to, if you've ever had a marketing campaign or a brand, you saw a commercial and you're like, that looks amazing. I'm going to try it. And then you try it and you say, that was horrible. I will never get that again. It's the same thing happening to the employer experience. So they see your job posting, they do the interview, they get in, they say, oh my gosh, I would never try that again. Or had I known that I wouldn't have ever joined the team. And so I think if you can lead with this concept of You want your billboards to match what's really going on within your company and regularly asking your team members, whether you lift and shift that tool of ask your team members, what are the three words you'd say to describe our culture? Asking that regularly because it is going to change and know, be mindful of what are your employees saying and how do you need to correct that to make sure it's not impacting your bottom line? Because at the end of the day, we only exist. Um, if you know customers are purchasing your, your products, you want to make sure there's a good buzz out there.
2: With that being said, do you believe a healthy culture correlates to good employer branding efforts?
1: So I would say one impacts the other, but it's only one way. And I think from a meaningful standpoint, and I think so. Good employer branding doesn't make your company culture great. But the other way around, good company culture, if you're investing in what that means and what are your values, your principles, how you live day to day, how do you help support your people managers, that will lead to great employer branding because you'll have an authentic story that you're able to tell. So they both are impacting each other for sure, but only one is the real the direction.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, so Sarah, last two questions for you. So, what are some companies or leaders, whoever may be that you really admire that are doing a great job sort of cultivating and creating a culture that really empowers and champions their employees that you'd like to show some love to right now that, you know, may inspire you?
1: So, maybe I'll, I'll share one that obviously I may be biased and I'm going to, I'm going to advocate for, for LTSC, but what I'm going to talk about is. A lot of the work before I joined and some of that came from the, our founder, Eric Reese, but, but I want to give an example of, um, and I'll shout out to my, my team, my people team. We've been working on redoing some policy work. And in our expense policy, um, it was pointed out to me that how your company culture, you have compliance and you have culture, right? There's two things. And when you build a handbook or any type of these things, you sort of bring your your essence of the organization to life. And in the policy, as pointed out, it said, um, you know, business expenses that are reimbursable and yada, yada. And then it said, you know, if you choose to stay with a friend for a night, treat them to a nice dinner. There's this little bit of like very thoughtful expense policy written, which usually would be like, you know, if you stay in a hotel, reimburse the hotel. And if you don't, great, we get to save the money. But there was this little touch that has a, a, a big impact where it says that's who we are as a company culture. And so those early founder teams here at LTSE, I can see those woven all the way through. And it's just, it's really powerful and impressive to think that much thought went into some of these policies that we have today. I think externally two companies, which while they are in the same realm and, and likely competitors, I think Lattice and 15.5 are two companies I would advocate for, I'd use both tools, but they are ultimately trying to to build the most friendly tools that can help with your company culture, with that people leadership, with making sure you can hear and listen the feedback that your employees are stating. And I've gotten to interact with employees from both teams. And I can relate to them because as LTSC, we say, we need to be a role model for how we live externally. And those companies too, right? They have HR products and tools that you know, you would not never want to have one. And then you ask an employee, they say, oh, we don't use our own tools. No, we use our tools. And we have this amazing, great culture. And people are energized to work there. And their stories are really powerful. And so, again, I'm like, back to the HR leaders, when you're building your budget, set aside those dollars to be able to have a tool that you can use that makes it easier on your function. It's user-friendly for your team members. And those are tool, two tools I would advocate for. And I always like learning about new technology that exists out there that, you know, they're adapting and building new products constantly.
0: For sure. I mean, Sarah, I'm not going to lie. You're, you're convincing me like I might need to take a job at the long term stock exchange with this culture. Oh, my God. <laughs> so the last question we'd like to ask all our guests here on the Brand and Beyond podcast. What is one question you'd like to ask another founder, operator, leader, whoever it may be, someone that inspires you related to people and culture that would really help you on your journey as you continue to grow?
1: Yeah, I think one topic that is coming to mind and it's not not necessarily new. I think it's on the minds of a lot of different professionals, but there's a lot of turmoil and debate about yeah. is the post-pandemic returning to work and stances that organizations are taking. We are tending to hear from the large organizations that are publishing it, right, externally. But founders and operators, I think, you know, it would be really interesting to see different trends at different sizes and stages of organizations and what's working versus not. I think, you know, I have my own perspectives that the pendulum swing from your fully remote to mandating being back in mm-hmm. the office we're likely going to land somewhere in between. But I think that is a fascinating question I've continued to, to ask and on that journey of understanding, you know, it's like it was a big human experiment and we're still learning about what that looks like and how do you create an environment that's inclusive to others lives and preferences, but I still see the value of being in person mm-hmm. and understanding there's there's things that we just can't get from Zoom and really learning from other companies. I don't think any of us have the answers yet, mm-hmm. but we should be talking about it and sharing those learning and insights and trying to improve. It's not going to be overnight, but I think we'll keep seeing this, this transition over the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see what the future of work looks like even five years from now and a decade from now. It could look like completely different to what we know now. Uh, but Sarah, you That's were right. absolutely fantastic. We, we really learned a lot here. Absolutely love this episode. Um, so please tell the people where can they find you, learn more about you if they want to connect with you. And furthermore, please tell us more where we can find uh, out more information about long-term stock exchange, learn more what you guys got going on over there.
1: Absolutely. And thank you for having me. I've enjoyed our conversations and love what the two of mm. you are doing. Thank you. From a contact with me, LinkedIn is a great place to go. Mm-hmm. Sarah Walker. And if you type in LTSC next to my name, there are a lot of Sarah Walkers. So the best way to put LTSC <laughs> next to it. Yeah. Additionally, um, I'm, I'm not a huge a Twitter poster, but I do follow and look at trends. So if you want to connect with me there, SLM Walker is my handle. Mm. And then from LTSE. Uh, we do have a blog where we regularly post articles. I always encourage following on LinkedIn there as well. But we are also have um, LTSC.com if you want to visit us on our website. You can email me, Sarah, at LTSC.com as well if you have questions or are curious about our products and services.
0: Sarah, again, thank you so much. You are wonderful. And to everyone listening out there to the Brand of Beyond Podcast, thank you very much and until next time.